Amen. So two weeks ago, we started our series, and it started with an R-rated message from Ron, because he loves doing the R-rated ones. I did a PG-13 one. Today is PG, so take a breath. Enjoy. Uh, it's going to be really great. We're excited about this week in our series, and I'm really excited because we have a guest speaker. When you hear guest speaker at church, sometimes you're like, oh, is this going to be any good? I promise you, this is going to be one of the best messages we've had here in over a year. My great friend, Jess Manuel, she's right here. Uh, you can see she is a leader. She uh, pastors alongside of her husband, Parker, at Pinewood Church in Boulder, which was planted five years ago. They're one of the only successful church plants that have continued to last and grow. They make disciples that make disciples. They multiply and see simple churches multiplying. She she is an amazing woman, though. She has this amazing family. She has six kids. She has a full-time job. She pastors alongside Parker at the church. She also is an amazing leader, amazing wife. And so we're going to play a video here in a second. But when Jess comes up here, would you treat her unlike you would treat me, Billy, and Ron? But, like, just go crazy for her when she comes up here. Check out this video, and we'll go to Jess. Every day, we are being formed by the culture around us. New ideas come and go, some fail, some endure, and some radically alter the very fabric of who we are. But no idea has drawn more attention, created more confusion, and been more damaging than the modern view of sexuality. If we're going to be a church of disciples, making disciples for generations to come, we have to talk about the one idea that's been taking out disciples at an alarming rate. This is Sexual Formation. Well, hello, Restoration Church. Like they said, my name is Jess, and it's a true, it's truly an honor to be with you. And you may say, why is it an honor? Um, Pastor Ron and team has championed us. This past year alone, he ha they have propelled us into the mission and vision that God's called us to in Boulder. Has anyone ever been to Boulder? Do we love Boulder? <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> Okay, well, we love Boulder. We have a heart to reach the people of Boulder. And this is an amazing conversation that we get to dive in today. One that I hold very close to my heart. Um, what is a woman? If I were to ask you that question, if I had the honor to sit face-to-face -face with you at a coffee shop and ask you, what is a woman? What would you say? A gift. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, I loved this dialogue with my children last night because how many of us know as parents, if you're a parent in the room, our children is our greatest ministry and our greatest asset. So I preach to them first. They shout me down on the kitchen floor and I'm like, no, I need a little louder. I need some confidence and affirmation here. So as I was preaching to them last night and, and really having this opportunity to disciple them in what is a woman, my little 10-year-old boy spoke up and he said, well, mom, a woman is a help because dudes need help. <laughs> so we're going to dive into this conversation. I don't know how your week was, but I got three phone calls um, from my kids' school this week. Um, two of them got sent, two of my boys got sent to the office. My other child was wreaking havoc and biting kids in the preschool. I had three other kids with pink eye. I was renovating a house, had this nasty mask on yesterday, like chiseling brick. And I'm like, fancy that, that I get to talk about what is a woman. 
So maybe some of you in the room, when I said, what is a woman, maybe you thought, man, a woman is strength. Did you think that? (laughs) A woman is strength. Well, a lot of my story, since really from fourth grade till I was 21 years old, I had gifts placed on my life, a purpose placed on my life, and I had no idea what to do with it. So from fourth grade till I was 21, I chased after serving Jesus in Africa. And it wasn't until years later that I understood why I was chasing after serving Jesus in Africa. There was a permission that was granted to me in Africa that there was not granted for me here. A permission to lead, a permission to step into giftings, a permission to be a woman leader. Now, we're not talking about women in leadership today, so take a big exhale. That's a whole other can of worms. Maybe you'll let me preach on it one day. Um, But we are going to dive into what is a woman. And I think it is valuable that we understand why I felt this way and why many of you as women and maybe even men don't even understand why women feel the way that they feel because of our history and our past. So when you look back even to the founding of our nation, to the founding fathers of our nation in the Constitution, you can see even from early days when John Adams was writing of the Constitution, here's his wife on the side going, John, don't forget about the woman. Why? Because the woman was consistently silenced and forgotten about. What happened really in the rise of feminism, the same time that segregation was rising in our country in the early 1970s, really what we began seeing was the rise of silencing women and also the rise of women going. So there's, there's different waves of feminism. I'm not going to break it all down with you this morning. There was four different waves of feminism. But really in the 1970s, what we began to see was, I am woman, hear me roar. Anybody remember that? season. I am woman, hear me roar. And what was happening really from the foundation of our country was going that women and men are not equal. So what began to happen was there was a silencing over women. Legal rights were taken away, women's rights to even bank. Can y'all imagine not being able to bank? Like go, I, I went to the bank the other day. I can't imagine not being able to go to a bank. But what we began seeing was all of these rights began taking away from women. And so this history of how women were found in our country really began to affect how we as women lived. I think it's valuable for us to understand this as we go to God's word today. And I really want to speak to two different people in the room for just a moment. There are some of you that have walked into church Maybe for the first time ever, maybe for the first time in 10 years, maybe you're walking in and you're going, I'm still trying to decide if I'm in on Jesus. If that's you, lock in for just a minute. I want to tell you the only thing that I want you to hear today is that Jesus loves you. Nothing else that I say is going to make sense to you because I'm going to speak from a foundation of truth. 
a foundation on the authority of God's word. And if you're still deciding on Jesus, the only thing that you need to know is Jesus loves you and he is chasing after you today. Let's talk about womanhood after you decide on Jesus. For the other of you that have come in and maybe you have history of abuse, of silencing in your life, maybe you have a history of lack of confidence, of shame, of guilt on your life, I want to speak to you and say there is hope and there is freedom for you. That God gives us a clear picture, not only of what a woman is, but also his love and his design and his purpose for you. How freeing is that? That Jesus says, not only do I love you, but I created you in my image. So we're going to march forward today. And really, um, I brought my, do y'all see my plant? (laughs) Um, So this is a fun fact about me. I tell my friends and also my husband that if my kids are doing good, I'm doing good. Let me explain. Um, So I'm a nurturer. Um, I nurture my kids. I try to nurture my kids. I kind of cooked them dinner all week. Like, not really. I'm not a chef. So like six kids, how does she do it? Dominoes. That's how we do it. Okay. So I brought my plant. And um, when my plants are, which this is great, guys. Like, I'm I'm doing well. My plant is healthy. um, Because I have Thirsty Thursday, which is like I I water my plants on Thursday because I need lots of reminders in my life. And if my plants are doing good, then I'm I'm doing good. So so if you ever come to my house, it's like a jungle and my plants are dying, someone call a counselor. (laughs) Like I need help. But here's my plant, and I have a plant and I have this water pitcher. Um my plant not only brings aesthetic beauty to my home. It also, like, allows for fresh air, all these different things that I don't know about, but I, I love the look of them. And then this water pitcher fuels and feeds my plant. So here's two things that need each other that have very different purposes and are designed very different. Who in the room could tell me which one is more important? So... Okay, cool. So, so my, my plant needs the water, and the water has really no purpose apart from the plant. This is what our world is trying to tell us. Our world is trying to tell us that these are the same things, that there's no difference between the plant and the water pitcher. Now, from this view, you're going, well, like, clearly there's a difference. <laughs> yes, clearly there is a difference between a man in a woman. So we're going to draw a line in the sand today. We're going to draw a line in the sand, and I'm going to speak to you and say, God has a very specific design and purpose. Not one is better than the other. Not one is elevated higher than the other. They are perfectly equal, but they're intricately designed and perfected for a purpose. The world is more confident in the event the, the world is more confident in the available option of, of identity than more than Christians are in the confidence of the truth of identity. Are you tracking this? The world is more confident in the confusion of gender identity than Christians are in the truth of identity. We have the truth and we're not, like, 
And it's okay that you probably have no idea what you would say if we sat at a coffee shop of what is a woman. But that should be a check to go, if the world is more confident in the confusion of it, we need to be confident in what God says about it. Because he speaks about it, and he loves it. So let's dive in. I love this story of, of Mary and Martha. You guys know this story. And Mary and Martha are cleaning. Jesus shows up. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. And this imagery of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus when Martha is working, and he's, no, she chose the better thing. In this culture, in this day and age, in the Eastern culture, this was so valuable because in Eastern culture, the woman was to be cooking. The woman was to be serving. And really, the, the teaching and the education was, res, was reserved for a man. So what's so valuable about this moment that Jesus is going, no, she's choosing the better thing. He's validating a woman to learn and to sit at his feet. And so as we dive into scripture, we don't take our cues from culture, but we take our calling from the creator. There's this story of um, a rabbi in Israel, and I think it's valuable to really understand the context and culture and when you're studying scripture. And there's a ra- the, the rabbis in Israel, when they go into these kindergarten classrooms, and all these, I have a kindergartner, so it's fun to like imagine this. All these little kindergartners gather around. They bring in honey, and they lay out this paper. And they pour honey on the paper, and they say, all the little kindergartners, they say, come in, come in. Put your finger on the paper and put it to your mouth. And as they're doing this, as they're tasting the honey, they're saying, this is what the word of God tastes like. It's like a feast. It's sweet to our soul. And as believers, as we move away from what culture is wanting to push at you and share with you, and you start to question, well, is this real? What does this say? I want to challenge us that we have to be ones that feast on the word of God because it becomes sweet to our soul. I do believe that men and women were created by God. Men and women were created by God in the image of God for the glory of God. And as the creator, he alone gets to determine their identities. Can we, can we just mutually submit to that this morning? That he alone gets to choose our identities. There's a verse given, this is kind of fun. There's one verse given to the creation of man. <laughs> Love you men. <laughs> Glad you're here this morning. Y'all are going to walk out championing these women more today and cheering them on. One verse in the creation of men and six verses to the creation of woman. What does that say about our God? Man, he wants to say, women, I see you. I know you. I love you. I value you. And I have a purpose on your life. Man, there's something too a strength in a woman that has walked through the generations that we have walked through. It's a miracle that I'm standing up here today. Like breaking through curses and breaking through silencings. Man, God knew he put a strength in us women and there is a purpose for us. So we're gonna be in Genesis two. First, we're gonna start with 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. Someone say not good. 
Hello, good morning. I will make a helper who is just for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one of them, Dominion. He gave names to all the livestock and the birds and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep. Isn't it crazy? Like what? Like this man fell asleep. Like my kids, <laughs> side note, um, my kids even last night as they're wrestling through what is a woman, they're like, well, mom, if there wasn't a woman, like none of us would be here. Facts. And they're like, and mom, if there was never a woman, like it would just be Eve, I mean, Adam, and he would be all alone. Yes. So they're, they're catching it. So then the Lord God made a woman. So the actual, when I dove into we're going to dive into the Hebrew language of helper in just a minute. But when I started to dive into the Hebrew language of woman, this is what this context is saying. It's saying woman, childbearing, one who has a menstrual cycle, one who gives, has children, one who is a mate to a man. Like it gives some clarity to, we're not going to talk about the physical today, but that is a word for us that there are physical differences between a man and a woman. <laughs> My 12-year-old last night as we were talking about it, he was like, well, mom, I, I can't say what a woman is. Like there's little ears. I'm like, okay, thank you, son. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. So there are physical differences. Today, we're going to actually talk a little bit about more about the design. So it says, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called a woman because she was taken from the man. So a little background. God's in the midst of creating the world as we know it, which is Oh my word, like we serve this God who created the heavens and the earth. Like if you're just waking up this morning, you haven't had your coffee, hello, like we serve a God who created the sun, moon, stars, animals, and gave us permission to live on this earth. Come on, is that not a beautiful thing? Your most, the flower that you love the most, he created And he's going, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he gets to man and he's like, this is not good. (laughs) Man, I'm so sorry. He says, it's not good. Like there's like a screech that happens. He's like, this isn't good. And he says, he needs a helper. And then what happens in this turn of events, he gets to woman and then he goes, oh, this is very good. Like almost, so you know, like when you make something like food, Um, and you're like, oh, it's good. But then you like make it the next time. You're like, oh, that was very good. Like Parker makes these chicken wings. My husband, one time, a couple times he's burnt them and we're like, oh, they're good. Like (laughs) you just spent like four hours on them. We're like, okay. But then he made some chicken wings and we're like, dang, those are very good. Women, he says we're very good. (laughs) He says we are very good. Almost as if we are his masterpiece his masterpiece. So my goal for you really today is that as you receive this new information, maybe it's new for you, that it becomes transformational for you. That you can leave and walk out of here today with a confidence to say, I know what a woman is. And I'm good being a woman. And I'm going to walk in my design and my purpose as a woman. The very first, um, in the very first verse, it says, God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper 
as his partner. It's okay, like, you can take a deep breath. We're going to talk about helper. I know that's like, can feel a little cringeworthy. Um, I can connect with you on that and relate with you on that because as a child growing up in a fundamental Baptist church, a helper meant that we served the man hand and foot. It meant that we submitted, we were a yes woman. And I honestly was just like, there has to be more. There has to be more to the story. So if I say helper and it makes you cringe, let's like, let's remove that in Jesus' name right now, that there's nothing cringeworthy about it. He calls his helper and we're going to dive into it. So my personal story of this helper, um, of, of the, the, the toxicity around this language really even began as a little girl when I would go into my grandparents' house and my granddad would go off to preach and I would see my mima wake up early and make him breakfast and literally like blow dry his hair and dry it. Now hear me, I believe that we are called to serve one another. I think a lot of reason why this, the connotation and the negativity around helper is so prevalent in our culture is because women have been created and designed by culture to live an autonomous life. They said, well, if I am going to be silenced and I know there's more in me, and if, the, if, if they're not going to allow me, then here comes I am woman, hear me roar, here I come. And that brings an autonomy, which guys, go back to creation. The very thing that God says, I'm going to make a helper for you to Eve, is the very thing that the enemy came in and attacked. He came in and he said, no, like you actually could live your own life. You actually could be in complete control. You could actually have dominion and power. The very thing that God designed a woman to be is now the very curse that we walk in and are consistently trying to bring freedom in our lives. So the autonomy of a woman is coming in. So what happened for me is this like, well, I'm going to like go to Africa. I'm going to like, I can do this. Like, and it was this journey of me chasing after a passion and a desire that I felt like God placed in me outside of the reality of chasing Jesus. And so for me, I don't need to search for language for strength anymore because now I know a woman is strength. Ezra is actually a very strong word in the Hebrew language. It carries the meaning of helper, aid, and strength. So we are not called to be more like women, we're called to be more like God. Woo! Did y'all hear that? Like us women that like, like to compare and like we look around, like just removing the comparison. Like we're not called to, you're not called to be on a stage and preaching. Maybe you are and let's go. Like let's, let's ride that train. You're not called to be like this. You're called to be what God has created. And the box that we have been fit in for so long is either you're going to be a stay-at-home mom or maybe you're going to be a leader in the workforce and you have been so boxed in to try to fit into this category of who you're made and how you're created to be that there's no freedom to go, actually, I'm not called to be like another woman. I'm called to be an image bearer of the king. There's two Ezers in the Bible. This is where it gets exciting. There's two Ezers in the Bible. One Ezra, the first Ezra is spoken about in Genesis. 
and it's speaking directly to Eve and to the woman. The other 16 to 18 times that we see it in Scripture, it's referring to God himself. God himself in relation to Israel. So when you like look back on all the stories, even last night reading to my little girl and talking about the, the golden calves and Moses on the mountain, I'm like, dear God, the Israelites needed so much help. Like when I'm um, at home, my oldest, Daniela, she's, she's 20 now, and um, maybe you've noticed, but we've adopted some children and fostered some children. Um, and the other day, I'm like, it was one of those days, like the end of the day, my kitchen is like disarray. The kids are going a little crazy. And I'm going, in my mind, I need help. So Daniela comes in. I don't ask her for help. And she's like, hey, can I help and do the dishes? What can I help with? In that moment, I didn't look at her and say, oh, you're so weak. Man, like you're so lesser than. No, I looked at her and you're like, you're my hero. You're my girl. She did my dishes. And here I am like praising her from the mountain's top. This is what we see with Jesus to the Israelites. This is what we see God to the Israelites at this moment. This is what we see with God to the Israelites. He comes in. Let's go over a few verses. In Deuteronomy 33, it says, How blessed you are, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. Most of the time when we see him being a helper to Israel, we see him being a warrior to her. A warrior, a helper. Women, we know, we have this tendency, even this morning as I'm like getting ready, all the kids ready and bouncing out the door and Parker's like just trying to get himself ready. Like there's something in us that can multitask, y'all laughing, like y'all know. Like there's something in us that can multitask and like, like, like move like literally hurt. That was a design. That's not accidental. That's not something to be prideful over. It's not something to boast about. It's not something to make our men seem shy about. It's something to say, I am designed to carry a lot because there are people that need my help. And he has given us a capacity. And women, this is not just for the married woman. This is if you're single. This is if you're dating. This is if grandma, a widow, a widow. There are people that God places in our lives to be helpers to. There are so many different ways that you can be a helper. But we invite people in to a safe place. We have that capacity that he has given us to be a tender soul, to invite people into something deep that we carry within us. Being a helper, it's not a weak calling, but a warrior calling. And there's a few other verses that I want to share with you that it shows this about God in relation to Israel. Psalms 33, 20, it says, he is our helper and our shield. Our helper and our shield. Psalms 115, 9, oh, Israel, trust the Lord. He is your helper and your shield. So the same language of Ezer in Genesis is the same language we're seeing with God in Israel. We are image bearers of God. So you ask, what is a woman? A woman is a helper. Someone say helper. Come on, I need some confidence like you're okay being a helper and men that you need some help. Okay, women, we are a helper. Come on, one more time. There you are. Okay, you're still with me. Okay, a woman is also a life bringer. Oh, I love this because Eve's name means life bringer. Women, 
We come from a generation, from a woman that is a life bringer, a life bringer. We come from the generation of Eve, and here she is bringing life. Not only do we, are we physically able to bring life, but we can bring life physically, spiritually, and emotionally. When I look back in scripture and you see, when you see um, Ruth and Naomi, when you see the life that Ruth brought to Naomi when she's depressed, when you see the life that she brought to Boaz and the strength that she brought to Boaz, when you see Esther through scripture and the queen that she comes up and she brings life to a nation and to a king. And then when you see Mary, come on, not only was she the one that brought life to Jesus, the savior. Come on, have you guys ever thought of that? Jesus chose his exact creation to be born through. He chose Mary. The first person that he responded to as he came back to life was a woman. Why? Because we are life bringers. There's a gentleness about a woman that can come in, that can speak truth. And what has been silenced for so long and weakened in a position that helper is weak and life bringer is really not from the woman, that's only the man. This is coming alive in us as we open the word of God that says, no, he says, he gives us full permission to walk in that. I even think with the word, so Ezer Kenegdo is the full Hebrew language of helper. And Kenegdo has a language of suitable, but also face to face. This is the imagery I have. Just this last week, um, when we got that phone call about my two boys, same day, different time in the office. Um, I go and talk to my husband where like, he, you know, he's like, he like kind of beefs up and he's like, oh, this is going down. <laughs> like, this is what's going to happen when they get home. And this is, this is, this is the woman that comes out. Holy Spirit given, thankfully. But when we, when we choose to step into it. And I said, wait, I think this is actually what needs to happen. So I came face to face in this moment of a decision that he's wanting to make. And I go, wait, let's talk about it. Let me help you. Let's craft this together. And the imagery that I have as a face-to-face is not this like buck up, like prideful, I know what I'm talking about. It's actually this gentle humility that says, actually, I think maybe this is a way we could go. A calming sense to say, because here, here's the reality. Another, another moment a rabbi was asked, um, why does it matter that when, what, why does it matter why we understand about women? And he said, because there was an enemy in the garden. This is, this, is, this is the big picture. There was an enemy in the garden. We live in a broken world. Therefore, women and men, we have to link arms in our purpose to survive. So my poor plant with, without water is not going to survive. We have to link arms to say together when we're walking face to face in this moment, face to face with the enemy in this moment going, you know what? Like Parker wants to come in and lash out on my boys and like his boys too. But like in this moment, it's probably not going to 
breed the best results. Let's try it this way. I'm coming face to face, not against Parker, but the war that is we're living in, which is not with flesh and blood, but with the power and the principalities of the air to go, we're going to link arms in this, and I'm going to function in my purpose and design to say, let's slow down. And that's the beauty of the connecto. So Ezra, I have this picture of a partner, someone that stands side by side. And then when I see connecto, the face-to-face, in these moments, we're able to be a helper, but we're also able to be a life bringer. A woman is also a truth teller. So Eve had an opportunity to be a truth teller. And now, you know, if it wasn't Eve, it would have been me, right? Like that's how we always say it would have been someone after Eve. But really there would have been many opportunities for us to fail. And in this moment, Eve failed because what happened? Pride came in. She said, I want to live autonomous. I want to live my own way. The greatest downfall of mankind is saying, I want to do my own way. And that's what culture has told us. You be you. You be you, girl. We don't let our kids say that in our house. I don't want my kids to be you. Don't be you. (laughs) But when there's a submission to the heavenly father, and we say, you know what? I'm going to know the truth of God's word. I'm going to know what he says about me. Because can I take, take just a moment to tell you the lies that you've heard the lies that you have heard, the abuse that you've experienced, the shame that has washed over you as a woman has no place in the kingdom of God. Because he says, you are not only a child of God, you are a daughter of the king. You are crowned victorious. You are a helper. You are strength. You are an aid. You are someone that comes in that you links arms with the ones around you, friends, marriages, and you link arm and you say, how can we do this thing together? There is a truth to be spoken about. And Eve, in this moment in the garden, she fails. Shame comes over and takes over. But the beauty of it is she doesn't have to stay there. Jesus comes to her. He meets her right where she's at in her shame and in her guilt. He picks her up, sets her on a a firm foundation, restores her inside, and then creates a beautiful story of redemption. There's redemption for us. There's hope for us. I actually created a, a document for you. I don't know about you, but I need a battle book every day of my life not a battle book of People Magazine, not a battle book of Instagram or Facebook, not a battle book of gossip. I need a battle book of the word of the Lord in my life. So I've created a little battle book for you. It's gonna be on the resource page that they've, sh- they've shared, y'all have shared. I think there's like gonna be a, like a thing on the app. Okay, there's the thing. That's the thing, the app. Um, sorry about that. Um, okay, so there's, gonna, there's a link on the app and there's this beautiful battle book that was created for you that's going to, to name the lie that you're experiencing and the truth that you can combat it with. Because culture is going to try to tell you who you are. And if you're not grounded in the word of God, you will never walk in your full potential, your full purpose, your full calling. Because it first starts with your identity. 
first starts knowing who you are and whose you are. So in this battle book, it's going to give you shame, guilt, fear, the feeling of adoption, wanting to feel that you're adopted. And then there's going to be verses that combat those lies. And when you start feeling that shame wash over you, and you start feeling the doubt or confusion, or you start hearing maybe from a parent, can I tell you that I still have parents, my dad passed a few years ago, never affirming me as a woman leader. And my mom to this day still just wrestles because for so long she lived in bondage of the doubt and the despair of going, I I don't think that's okay. I think women are supposed to be an admin and women are supposed to be serving in kids. And she's on this journey herself in her 60s of breaking through for the freedom that she goes, I can actually grab hold of that I'm an image bearer of God. It's not what you do, because all through scripture, we can see Phoebe as a deaconess. All through scripture, we can see Esther as a queen. All through scripture, we can see women that are messengers of the gospel. It's not what you do, but identifying with who and whose you are. And when you identify with who and whose you are, what happens is something comes up and out of you that you're going, I didn't even know. That's how he designed me to be. That's what he created for me. Wow, like literally last night, um, my little, my, my older girl came in again. She's like, hey, can I help you with anything? I'm like, thanks for giving me all the illustrations. Like it's just this natural tendency when we're serving Jesus to flow out of the purpose and design. I don't have to tell my plant to grow when I give it water. It just grows. So when we're functioning in the design of the image bearer, you just become confident as a woman. This is the gospel. You want to live on your own. You want to live in full autonomy to say, I want to do what I want to do. This is men and women alike. And then Jesus comes in and he says, the brokenness that I see in you, I want to repair and I want to restore. It's not the journey in the process of arrival. It's the journey of becoming. I say all the time, I was saved and I'm being saved every single day. Every Sunday at our church at Pinewood Church in Boulder, we say a prayer of declaration of giving our lives to Jesus. Some people do it for the very first time, and I do it every single Sunday. So I'm like, I was saved, and today I'm being saved. So if you've come in and you have this, you've had this just weight as a woman, my prayer for you is that there's an exhale in God's arms. That he fully sees you and fully loves you just the way you are. How beautiful it is that a master and creator of the universe created you with a purpose. No one else can fulfill the purpose that God has placed on your life. Think about that. And what happens is our autonomy comes in our shame comes in, our guilt, our, our desire to hide, just like Eve. 
even for this sermon, it came up and I said, Jesus, you got to give me a mantra because I feel unequipped for this. And those lies will start coming in. They'll start coming back. And he said, no, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are equipped for this moment. And that's the fight back. As a woman that has strength, we don't have strength to fight against culture. We have strength to live out the purpose and the design that God has created us to be. So as a woman, you are a helper. As a woman, you are a life bringer. And as a woman, you are a truth teller. I want to go back to that person that I was talking to as you came in, the one that may have yet to say yes to Jesus. This is a moment for you. Because maybe you've heard all these things and this is very different than what culture says. And for you, you're going, man, she seems real passionate about this Jesus guy. Love him. Love him. He gave it all for me. He's given me hope. He's given me freedom. He's given me redemption. He's given me his love. All I have is just to open my hands back to him. So for the one that is seeking and searching and you've been showing up, maybe, maybe you've been showing up for years, wrestling with this idea of faith in Jesus and how different it is that what the world says. Guys, we're gonna be so against the grain of culture. And if we're not, there's probably a problem. So for the one that's coming in that's searching and seeking, here's the gospel truth for you. Wherever you are today, he fully loves you. This image of him just fully embracing you. Whether it be from church hurt, church pain, abuse in your life, maybe a parent or a father or history of false religion that has kept you from fully embracing the Father's love for you. Today, he wants to break that because he said, I came for that. I didn't come for your perfection. I didn't come when you had it all together. I came and I died on a brutal cross and carried the weight of your sin to sanctify you and purify you for you to walk freely in the freedom that I've called you to walk in. So there's an invitation. I tell my kids this about Jesus is like, it's not just with salvation, it's even with gifts and purpose. What's so beautiful about God is he's not forceful. Do you guys know that that's the, the, the most amazing thing about our God, our living God, is he is not a forceful dictator of the truth. It's the most loving thing as a father to say, I give you an option. So as a gift, it's this picture that he's holding out to you. And it's not this like gift of just himself, it's all that he is. It's his love and it's his freedom and it's hope and it's eternity and it's the depression that you're experiencing. He's like, actually, I wanna get rid of that depression because I wanna offer you freedom and I wanna offer you joy and I wanna offer you peace and the abuse that you've experienced. I actually wanna come in and I have a better story to write for you. There's actually redemption for you and your abuse. There's actually a story I wanna tell so that other people will know about you in your abuse that will know about our father. 
There's a story for you, for the shame and for the guilt that has carried you and and held you down. Guys, we are created to worship our Father and we are created to serve others. As we worship our Father and as we serve others, what He does is He begins to transform the world so that others begin to know about Him. And this is the gift. He says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that I am Lord and receive me in my heart and you will be saved. Saved from what? Hell, saved from death, saved from depression, saved from anxiety, saved from death and restored and redeemed in Jesus in the Father's love. Woo, that's the gift for you today. Come on, I get excited about it. And if you have yet to say yes, Jesus is my Lord. That's your step today. All you have to do is open your hands. And in some people, I tell this all the time. Sometimes our hands are closed so tight, we have to say, Jesus, you have to open my hands. You know what he'll do? He'll open your hands. Is that amazing? Like even when we can't surrender, he'll surrender for us. It's the posture to come and say, I want you, Jesus. I don't know how to get to you, Jesus, but I want you. That's the gospel. We need Jesus, and then Jesus is there. And he comes in, and he sweeps in, and he allows us to experience a fullness of life in him. I want to pray for you. I want you to close your eyes. There's a lot of people in the room today with different stories. And so, Jesus, I just ask that you right now, you would speak to them exactly where they need to be met. We cast off any shame, guilt. It's not welcome in this place. No fear. And Jesus, we just usher in your presence. We usher in your spirit because we know apart from you, nothing changes. So we desire change. We desire transformation. We desire never to be the same when we encounter you, Jesus. So I pray for an encounter. I pray for an encounter with one, Jesus, that needs healing this morning. I want to pray for healing. Jesus, I ask that you would come in, heal broken parts of lives this morning, of women. Bring a restoration, a revival in a soul this morning that needs it from you, Jesus. I pray that. I pray healing. I pray, Jesus, that um, you would allow women that are being called up right now into a higher purpose calling. You're giving women vision right now for their lives that they never thought that they had permission for. Ask for a confidence to rise up in the room right now. Not a confidence, Jesus, in what they can do, but what you've called them to. And as they carry, carry the image of you, there's purpose in that. Jesus, I pray for the men that are in the room that have doubted what a woman is or what they're supposed to be and maybe have towered over in different circumstances. I just pray a freedom from that, a humility over the room. Father, a church and a house that's full of servant leaders that are just like, they don't don't even care. They're just serving people wherever they go. Jesus, I pray for the one that needs to say yes to you. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not in two hours. Right now is the day of salvation. We are not promised another moment. And what a beauty that we get to live in every moment for you, Jesus. So I pray for the one that has wrestled for so long. Today is the day of salvation. Father, there's freedom on the other side for that one. Jesus, I pray a peace just to rush over them right now. Father, clarity of mind and heart and openness to surrender. Jesus, you're so kind. 
We honor you, Jesus. We thank you for a beautiful moment that we got to experience with you this morning. In just a minute, we're gonna continue in worship, but there's gonna be a moment for you to respond. And there's gonna be a prayer team over here. I'll be over here if you just wanna talk. I love to talk. Um, I believe that transformation happens when we respond. There's gonna be a moment of response in just a moment. Now I wanna challenge you as we continue in worship to respond. Whatever thought came up in your mind, whatever feeling came up, whatever conviction, maybe it was a sin, maybe you need to let go of something, whatever came up in your heart, in your body, in your mind, release it to Jesus and respond. There'll be a prayer team over here. I'll be up here.